1: I used to be um We can start. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um I used to be a semi-professional salsa dancer. I still dance. I just don't um perform and compete anymore. Um, you know, running my own business <laughs> takes up most of my time. But so
2: salsa dancing, how'd you get into that? this sounds
1: like- oh gosh, I've danced since I was like 18 months old. Um so I'm neurodivergent. I have ADHD. So, and I grew up in a super abusive household um so not your fault um and and so dance kind of became the way I could speak without saying a word a way of expressing myself that no one could argue with or tell me I was wrong although people still tell you you're wrong but
2: it doesn't matter what it
1: doesn't matter what you do someone's always got an opinion and it doesn't really it's none of their business, but people try to pretend like it's. That's, it
2: is- that's what I like to uh, say on here sometimes. That you know, everyone's got a favorite movie or whatever, and it could be the best movie ever made. You know, I don't know what the top movie of all time is, but there's always gonna be one person who sits on it. You know, no matter what. And then,
1: hundred percent, it just yeah. didn't identify with them. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like, well, what do so- you like? What you like? I don't know. I just didn't like it. It's like. Could you- did you not like the acting? Did you not like how long it was? I mean, well, come on, say something. Like, no, I didn't got to tell you. I hated it. I like, <laughs> I mean, that's fine then.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
2: Life. So wait, how long did you salsa dance for?
1: Oh, I started when I was 25, 26, and then I performed and competed till I was about 30. Um, And then I decided I wanted to get really serious about my career. And then like two years later, I started my business and that was five years ago so I haven't five and a half years ago. so I haven't gone back to performing or competing just because God help us. it costs a lot of money and it took a lot of time. I was in the dance studio like 30 40 hours a week. Um, but yeah so I started when I was 25 but uh, I still dance. Um, and many of my clients come from people I knew in the salsa world. Um, there's lots and lots of people it's a whole subculture you know, there's like lawyers and real estate developers and like doctors and all these like amazing, incredible people. (laughs) They're like cutting a rug on the dance floor. It's not ballroom style. It's like street style salsa.
2: Is that your favorite type? I mean, is that what, like the only thing I really know about salsa dancing, have you ever seen, I think it's a long cane poly and stillers in there. It's it's kind of like, I guess that's yes,
1: exactly. That vibe. Yes. That vibe. Yeah. Yep. That's a salsa club. That's different than ballroom salsa. Ballroom salsa is like different
2: (laughs) more structured I guess just exactly what
1: no street salsa is very structured it's just I say ballroom structured is like stripped down it's lost its connection with the whole authenticity of salsa like it's not connected to the music anymore it's just about the steps and the beats it's different I don't know that I'd ever want to do that Although Dancing with the Stars is on my list of things to do on my bucket list, hundred percent.
0: I'm
2: impressed. I mean, is yeah, also no, the only no, style you do?
1: No, you gonna, no, no, no.
2: You got you. I grew got up
1: doing ballet, off. tap, and jazz, and um, I took some hip hop classes. It's not Ooh. it's not my favorite, but some Latin jazz classes. Um, I've also I really want to learn tango. I've taken tango classes. I know bachata and cha cha. Um, mm-hmm whatever I took some pachanga classes that's really really hard um or at least it wasn't time because I was learning salsa on on one and on two and pachanga at the same time which I know that doesn't mean anything to you but anybody who dances who listens to this (laughs) will know exactly what that means is like you stepping on the you stepping on the one or stepping on the two it's like it's just a different beat structure but the steps are virtually the same anyway yeah. There's well, I mean, a lot of nuance to dance.
2: I know we're not here to talk about salsa and stuff, and we'll get into your other stuff later, but you kind of sparked my curiosity because you're the first person I guess I've ever <laughs> yeah. virtually met and yeah. that actually has a competitive salsa dancer. And just that I mean, what's it like? Just yeah. because I'm a you know, I compete, oh. you know, locally, I guess regionally in CrossFit and do those competitions and stuff, but I just it's kind of, Different. Yeah. Dance I, is
1: different. It's a lead and follow situation. So A, you have to trust your partner. Mm-hmm. So typically trained salsa dancers will watch someone dance before we'll dance with them if we don't know them. Because we need to know, especially as a follow, I'm a follow. Um, you need to know that they understand how to protect you on the dance floor, that they're not going to throw you into other people. I've had bad leads throw me into another couple, like in a spin, spin me out into another couple. And you're supposed to dance in a track. You establish your lane and you stay on that lane. If you're dancing all over the place, you're going to bump into people all the time. What happens as a follow is that I might be in the middle of a spin and someone else is throwing another girl out into her spin and I'll get stepped on. I've walked out with bloody feet you know, like it, it gets real crazy on the dance floor if you don't watch out <laughs> or like someone could smack you in the face or you might get scratched. So, you know, there's hundreds, sometimes we're dancing and there's dozens of couples. Sometimes you're in a, in a ballroom and there's hundreds of couples dancing at the same time. So you really need to establish good boundaries. And if you're, if your partner, your, your lead isn't paying attention and doesn't est- respect those boundaries and understand those boundaries then somebody's going to get hurt it's just like when you're doing an exercise if you don't know how to do it you're going to hurt yourself right so just watching someone else doesn't mean you know how to do it there's nuance and there's muscle memory and there's all these things so as a salsa dancer like you really got to trust your lead um and so it's like not you know like if you're with a lead that you know is someone who's learning right like it doesn't mean i don't dance with people who are learning it just means if they are learning then i might back lead a little and move us out of the group of people so that i don't get hurt like i might keep us somewhere and i might back lead and push him over or her sometimes i'm led by her um i might kind of push them over with my body so that so that i keep myself safe right um it's just it's like a whole it's a whole thing <laughs> it's 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 exceptionally fun um I don't know. Dance is one of those things that the minute I start dancing, my face, I just like, I'm smiling the entire time. I cannot help it. It's my favorite thing. Dancing is literally my favorite thing in the whole wide world.
2: It's like, you're saying that, you know, if you had a tough day or whatever, and just everything's going wrong. But once you start dancing, it's one of those like,
1: yes, it's meditative. Yeah. Yeah, And it's a whole body workout. Most of the time people think they're in good shape go salsa dancing and tell me if you're in good shape because the endurance that's required, like when I go salsa dancing, I'm dancing for hours. Right. And you're not dancing consistently for hours, but you're, you're dancing in three minute increments and you're dancing quickly and you're using your entire body for those three minutes. Yeah. And then you might take a break and, you know, for 30 seconds or a minute, and then you're on to the next dance. And you might dance like that for hours. So like, good luck what I mean,
2: what, are, what are the judges watching for just your moves and if you perform correctly and if you're 100% actually not, not hitting the somebody
1: well when you're doing a competition that's structured that's not that's not just free dancing that's we're performing on a stage oh. and that's structured yeah yeah that's totally different I- <laughs> yeah Totally different. That's just like you would see on Dancing with the Stars. Like you're on a stage, it's choreographed, you know exactly what you're doing. When you're dancing on a dance floor, it's just social dancing. That's not choreographed.
0: Ooh, you're just I like following. It. You're just
1: following what leads and, and you lead. And when a guy leads or a girl leads, anybody can lead. Guy, girl, non-binary, doesn't matter your gender. Anyone can lead as long as they've learned how to lead, right? So you lead with hand with hand movements. Okay. You, you, that's how you're but the tango is different tango you lead with the body um there's other dances that lead with the body each dance style you kind of but many of them lead with the hand there's hand in some body but you you just learn you know what it means you can feel the way the guy flicks his wrist or a girl like swings your arm number or, or a person like swings your arm to prep you for a move You you know you know it's like muscle memory it's like riding a bike you know what you're supposed to do.
2: So when you're using your hands, like I'm, I say, I'm a lead or whatever. I'm using my hands, and like you just said, I guess that I kind of maneuver you in a way that I want you to go, and you know exactly what's going to be happening next. Or because yeah, everybody um,
1: learns the same thing. Okay. Everybody learns the same way, right? So people will like watch salsa and they'll think suddenly they can like dance, and it's like no, because I don't know what you're leading because you haven't learned, right? You haven't taken any classes. When you take a class and you learn from a professional salsa dancer, they're going to teach you how to lead something so that. as a follow i'm not guessing i know exactly what you want me to do if you have a clean lead that's a clean a clean lead like if you're just making it up as you go along god only knows what's about to happen
2: (laughs) okay well all right i know we didn't come here to talk about all salsa dancing and stuff but i i do i do like it just like i watch, i watch it sometimes and we're just a movie or if i see it on youtube at random videos and then uh I actually, had a dancer on here who has his own dancing company now. A few weeks ago, and I was like, kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, it and, is, and I respect that. You know, I actually uh, made an Instagram reel of doing my own little. You know, have you watched the show Peacemaker with John Cena? It's probably not.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, so I, I wanted to learn. I had some people tell me I should probably learn the intro to it or whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. it's pretty. It's tough, you know. And i am no, I have no dancing background whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and just taking the time to learn that and choreograph it well not not really choreograph it was already choreographed but learn the steps little by little yeah. it was fun for me I don't yeah
1: anyway. good for you yeah. i'm trying i mean I, th- I feel like we should bring dance back social dancing used to be a thing It used to be part of our you know every culture in the world social dancing was a thing we kind of lost connection with that here in the u.s
2: yeah no i agree i mean it was one of those i mean i i guess not in my lifetime really but most lifetimes you know i always had the, the school dances and it was like the Boys on one side of the gym and the girls on the other. Nobody knew how to dance. But, you know, it was one of those things early before my time that Friday and Saturday night you go out dancing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was, nobody cared, to. you know, how, I guess how they are. I, I guess I'm, you know, not speaking personally, but yeah, nobody really cared how they look. But they, or everyone just knew basic moves, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it was like a human connection that you made just through dance. Yes,
1: exactly. It was time yeah. just, you know, we, we just were together. You don't, no one If you stop all the music when you go out dancing and you start asking people their political opinions, you'll have a fight. But if you turn up the music and you just are moving together, suddenly you find ways to connect that you never thought were possible.
2: I mean, do you think that the reason the trend just got out of it just where nobody wanted to go out dancing except well if you did go out dancing, it was just let's take shots and then grind up on each other. But
1: No, I think it started before then. I think it started when different immigrant groups were coming to the United States and they felt the need to strip themselves of all of their authentic, you know, culture because they didn't want to be identified by that because there was so much prejudice built into uh, who's the new wave of whatever immigrant group was coming was being persecuted sure. and so was the first thing they did they changed their names they stripped themselves of their culture they learned english you know it was a whole process of deauthenticating themselves and becoming this american ideal
2: that's a great point i never thought about it like that but yeah i mean you just went into what people wanted you to be and just said, yeah. oh, screw my past mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah i mean do you ever think that you know with covid just we were there for or people were in there being in quarantine for whatever two years or whatever it was but mm-hmm. they just want to get out now and they want to do stuff and or I, I mean I do anyway so I mean do you think we might start to see a rise back I mean
1: I mean I'm trying to bring it back I love it I'm, trying, I'm like Bridgerton style like let's just have like dance parties <laughs> like beautiful amazing just like dance parties where you know like I don't know I just I think it's it's important that we remember the ways that we can connect with one another. Sure. There's too many things to argue about. Let's find things not to argue about. Let's find ways to connect. Yeah, yeah.
2: And dance is one of those things you connect. You know, not only physically but mentally, and you just kind of mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess you get that like you said that connection. You just feel yeah, mm-hmm. good feeling yeah. too. Especially when you know how to dance, it brings confidence up, and you know from exactly. I mean, yeah, yes. you know for me like you said, it was a good exercise too.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway.
2: We don't really have to talk, keep talking about dancing, but look, we can go. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: But it was good. It's good stuff, though. But, yeah. So anyway, you're a professional interior designer um, and a life design coach consultant. I'm a life
1: designer. Yeah. Okay. I, pref- I hate the word. I don't hate. I dislike what the word coach has become. How do you I mean? I hate how, how ubiquitous it has become and how like so many people call themselves a coach. It feels like everyone's a coach of something. Sure. And it doesn't mean that it's not valid. It's just become too ubiquitous and it's lost its meaning. Just doesn't really mean anything anymore. People
2: say they're a coach, but they just say that just because it's
1: the cool thing. No, I don't think it's just because they they say it just because it's the cool thing. I think it's just the way that we've learned to identify ourselves in our specific lane. And it used to be like, you know, consultant was like this thing that nobody knew what it was. Now everybody knows what a consultant and a coach is. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, no. I just I re- I refrain from that because I don't I don't do one on one coaching. It's just I work with my interior design clients and I work with people in general and I am a speaker and a writer and I talk to people about how to like design their lives, but I don't really do one on one people don't hire me as their life design coach. Okay. They hire me as their interior designer and we work on designing their life. It's part of what I do as an interior designer. Um, and then I talk to people about. And how to design your life how to be more intentional um but i don't do like one-on-one coaching i i have in the past it's just not my it's it's impactful for that person but i really want to reach a larger group of
2: people yeah you know some friends and i were talking about this and that you know i teach or coach some crossfit classes on the yeah. side too and you know, we were talking, you know, are we really coaching,
1: coaching? in that sense is well, know, but uh, coaching someone physically?
2: Well, sort of, but you know, I, I told him, I was like, I don't know if I really would call myself a coach, you know, just yeah. you know, it's a group class. I mean, there is some one on one stuff, but I don't, I mean, a trainer maybe. I yeah. don't, um, I don't know. It's tough. I don't, I was like, I don't know if I see myself as a coach just because it's, I don't know, just kind of what you said, I guess, but. I was trying to think of a better word for it just now, and it was not really coming to me. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm just kind of maybe a facilitator. Oh,
1: that's a good word.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I was just like, you know, if you break it down, and like with those group style, and I'm not shitting on coaches by any means, but there's big group classes or whatever. It's just you can't give everybody one-on-one coaching, especially when you get into workout and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if you call a basketball coach a coach, I mean, I, I guess you could see that, but. I don't know. I guess it's, it's a gray area. Maybe. I don't know.
1: I guess it just depends on how you see yourself
2: The situation. It, yeah.
1: It depends on how you see yourself and how you want to be seen. It's up to you. I just, I just don't use the word coach because then people think of me as being someone who can hire one-on-one and I'm, I'm building a massive business, a <laughs> speaking career, and a writing career, and all these other things. I, one-on-one coaching. You really kind of need to be dedicated, and that be your only thing that you're doing. And I just, I don't have the time for that.
0: Yeah.
2: No. So, how did this all come about? I mean, what sparked you know, during you wanted well, to be a consultant, a designer.
1: Well, or designer.
2: I'm, both really.
1: Yeah. So that's what I went to school for. So I have a BS in interior design. Nice. Um and. I, you know, through the years, I realized that my approach and my way of viewing interior design was perhaps different than other people's. And each one of our perspective is unique based on our own life experience. But for me, you know, the reason why I went into interior design is because of my very traumatic upbringing, um, living in an abusive household. You know, every time something really bad would happen, I, I would reorganize the furniture in my room. And, or I would like clean or organize something. I would, I just needed to break my association with what was, and I needed to set the stage for new possibilities. I needed to set the stage for the story I want, I wanted my life to tell, not the story that was being pushed on me. And, and I recognized how much power there is in our physical environment and how it is in many ways, a direct reflection of our beliefs about ourselves. And, you know, as we learn more about ourselves, as we get and gain a deeper understanding of our purpose, you know, whether we're assigning it to ourselves or we feel it naturally, you know, as that changes, so does our understanding of ourselves. And so does our, so then, you know, does and can our physical environment and they kind of work as symbiotic beings. I think we can recognize where we might be stuck in our life when we start to see our physical surroundings getting stuck or the clothing you know that we're putting on our body or different aspects of our physical environment or our physical life start to get stuck you know um things start piling up in places in corners or papers or whatever it is there's there's usually some physical manifestation when we get stuck in our life um and and to be able to move through that and reshape and reform that so that we can reset that stage for ourselves and and for me at some point i just realized being an interior designer was a thing and that i could go to college for it and then i needed to. To, to to technically to be an interior designer you need a, a four year degree a bs you know in interior design from an accredited university or you mentor you're mentored or you know underneath someone who is and you know, it was such, it's such an incredible thing to learn to, to understand how impactful our physical environment is, you know, in the classroom. But then I recognized that there was so much I needed to learn and and apply. And, and I had this kind of very serpentine, um, career because when I graduated in college when I graduated from college it was 2007 so in 2008 the economy crashed right um and then in 2009 I was laid off <laughs> and I had been doing residential design at the time and so then I moved into commercial and I did that for over a decade just over a decade um before starting my you know when I started my business five and a half years ago, I was still working full time, um, and then took my business full time three years ago, and started to recognize, you know, that a holistic approach to interior design. It wasn't about creating a brand style. It wasn't about m- my style being recognizable. It was about my clients being able to see themselves in their own homes. To see a reflection of themselves, to to see this authentic connection to who they saw themselves as a refined, you know, distilled, intentional version of who they are in their physical environment. And, and, and then that kind of just blossomed and has taken off and I was able to rebrand my business at the end of last year and, you know, just let it expand from there, you know. I really love what I do and and I love constantly learning new ways that I can I can be more intentional and I can help my clients be more intentional with their lives.
2: That's really well beautifully said. I like that. I mean, just you know, and just you know, I was thinking about the whole time that, you know, when I purchased my first home, I don't know, five, six years ago, I forgot win. But you know, I I have no design or decorative instincts or whatever you want to say, but I remember just thinking that, you know, when I come home to my own home, it was my first home that, you know, I want to know this is my style. This is my place. Yeah. This is my sanction. And just, I had no yeah. idea how to do that. So I kept reaching out and I kept looking up stuff on, I guess, Pinterest and Google or whatever I could Every, find.
1: Yeah. That's where yeah, and I can,
2: and I can never really, and I'm I'm still kind of going through it now. I mean, I got this little spackle in the holes right here. I'm kind of redoing my little third bedroom <laughs> slash studio thing right here now. But, um, but yeah, just, I wanted something that represented me and how I felt and, you know, that kind of, you know, reflected me when people would come over and they're like, you know, I could, I could see you living this way. This makes so yeah. sense for you. And then I don't know, maybe it's just cause I don't, I've only seen a few styles that I've truly like. Um,
1: yeah. Well, that's kind of usually the problem. People don't directly connect with specific styles. And so I don't like pick a style and, and align you know, align it with a client's project. I, Most of the projects that I do, they're eclectic. They pull from a whole bunch of different styles and a whole bunch of different things. And I love to intermix maybe some people, a lot, many of my clients have like heirloom pieces or pieces from family or things they've collected from traveling around the world, especially art. And and to keep all those things, right? Many times they're like, okay, yeah, I'm willing to part with all of these things. And I'm like, but you don't have to. You don't have to. We're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I want to... I want you to be represented here. It's not about me. It's about you. So let's see what pieces we can keep. Let's see what we can, what feels the most connected to you and we can incorporate, you know, moving forward.
2: Yeah, I like that. You actually get down with the client and go, hey, I love this. You know, you ain't going to throw out every all their heirlooms and stuff too. And that's a big part of them. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of people confuse that they have to always, and you know, I don't really know this on a personal basis, but yeah, they have to always throw out everything, get rid of everything all new stuff come in when they're, you know, redesigning their homes or whatever yeah. you say it, but it's like you said, it doesn't have to be that way. And that's no. one thing I also learned too. Cause I think my, you know, I had a family member that was like that growing up when, you know, in my household, it was always like, Oh, all this stuff is out. We're buying new stuff. It's gone. No yeah. matter what. And it's like, that was kind of cool. That piece is not that bad. Right. I mean, right.
1: Yeah. 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 I like, I like there to be a little quirkiness, a little, there's not a, I've never met a not weird person. Mm everyone is weird. It's just a matter of how. And I, and I, and I love to say like, (laughs) I just, I like people's weirds. Yeah. Just put your weirds out on display. I'm not talking about creepy. I'm talking about weird. (laughs) Right. right? Like I just, I want to know what makes you weird. And I want to find a way to embrace it, you know, in a way that's interesting, in a way that feels thoughtful, in a way that feels like authentic, but it doesn't feel weird. Right. We don't, need it to feel weird we want to you know just embrace your weird
2: <laughs> yeah, you know not everybody is you know like you said everyone's got their weird and not everybody's perfect and you're going to find that in all No styles. one's
1: perfect there's exactly. no exactly
2: you know and you know here a few years ago i actually started you know you actually see one in the background i started building you know legos that's kind of one of my yeah adult things and like I've tried yeah. to find ways to plan. <laughs>
1: I was gonna say those are Star Wars Legos yeah I got, I got a Star
2: Wars one too yeah but yeah. I felt uh, weird telling people that when I first started just because I didn't want like what are you six why do you build Legos I, like,
1: I had a client who reached out who had specific request for his new condo that we build special shelving for his Star Wars Legos that's why I'm familiar with what <laughs> what's behind I, you I'm like I'm first of all i've seen star wars obviously nice. um but uh and and a fan not a super fan but a fan but i was like oh yeah that's those are definitely star wars
2: legos i know those <laughs> <laughs> i got some batman ones too but you know yeah. it's, you have to about that. <laughs> yeah. but but yeah but i mean that's like you know I, I had this vision that you know, speaking of batman that when you i, I watched uh Batman versus Superman with Ben Affleck in it or whatever. And he has this house that's kind of right on a river or lake or something. But it was I've something seen like, it. Okay. I'm not,
1: I'm not a DC. I'm not really a DC fan. I'm more of a Marvel fan. Yeah, that's but okay. I have seen Batman versus Superman. If you haven't, Mike, come
2: on. Okay. But anyway, he had a, I don't want to say it's like a minimalistic, contemporary kind of look. I was like, I really like that look. And then. Yeah. I could see myself with that look, but is that really me? But if you put little ad pieces like the Legos and stuff, you can make it you, you know? Yeah. Kind of exactly. That's the only yeah. thing I've ever seen that kind of drew I felt like I was drawn to. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is that a cat or a dog behind you?
2: I got it. It's got a dog. Oh a dog.
1: Okay. Look out. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Doggy. It's Rocky. <laughs>
2: oh. This is a Awesome podcast going on right here. <laughs> right.
1: <All> right. <laughs> People are like, what is happening?
2: Everybody wants to see the dog. He's on YouTube. <laughs> right. uh, listen, I have another one too. You might see him in a minute. But anyway, like, so when you were going up through, you know, getting, you know, studying, I know you have your bachelor's in, in this, mm-hmm. but you also have a mentor as well to kind of help you guide you along the way. In oh, yeah. Getting stuff together. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Teachers. I had one teacher and I just actually had an article published in Medium. Yeah. in a medium's authority magazine. I was like, am I lying? Yes. No, it was medium. Um, and it's also being published in thrive global. And I talked about the whole thing was about resilience. Um, but, but what came up for me while writing this article is how many times in my life teachers made all the difference in the world and were significant mentors for me. And one in particular in college, um, her name is Lisa Phillips. I sent her the article after I had it published um she so long story short like i went to county college for my first year to save money and take some gen ed courses and i I understand i did the same thing yeah yeah hello pay for your first year in cash why not um so then so i transferred and the day before classes started on my most um like my third semester at 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 university at Philadelphia University, it's now part of Thomas Jefferson. So, the third semester, the third and fourth, is when they specifically try to weed you out. They don't want anybody who doesn't belong in the program there. So, it's the hardest two semesters of the entire program.
0: Okay.
1: Um, my my first love died the day before classes started, and four weeks later, I cut my thumb nearly off with a table saw. Um, and I was really, really struggling. Like on top of all of that, I had the abuse and trauma at home. I had all my, all this stuff going on. If you want to know all the details, definitely read the article. (laughs) It's way too much to go into here. Um, that Lisa Phillips, my, my one teacher, she saw me struggling and she had no idea why she had no idea why. And she just like reached out and she's like, "You know, I see that you're struggling. you know, here's what I think you could do to help yourself." and she just kind of like took me under her wing and you know would give me little nudges when I needed them for the next three years I was in college three and a half years um and it changed everything. I went from being a student who was struggling and somebody who because I was a person who was struggling to, to someone who graduated top of the class. And if it weren't for her, and to this day, she's still somebody I call on, like when I needed a design assistant, I was like, Hey, Lisa, who you got in your class? You know, we, I still keep in contact with her. Um You know, there's been people like that throughout my life who just, they saw that my, my spark was going out and they didn't have any idea why. And they just came into my life and just kind of like lit a match and, and helped me to relight my own fire. Right. And it just changed everything, you know, teachers for many people, teachers have changed their lives. So yeah, in many ways it's been, you know, teachers or mentors or other people in business who have just kind of like, Hey, here, come over here, (laughs) but I want to be your friend. Okay, great. (laughs) Yeah.
2: You know, I hope I don't butcher this quote, but just when you were talking like that or talking about that story that um, this came to mind and I probably will mess it up. because I Sorry, go for it. Okay, good. I don't don't (laughs) even remember who said it. But anyway, it's like, do you feel that and I guess I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you feel that you have to know your own dark arts or dark times to actually help somebody who's going through dark times like that? Does that kind of make sense? It's, it's something it's more
1: empathy. Yeah. I mean, I think you tap into empathy. I think you don't have to. What Sympathy isn't my favorite. I'm not a fan. Um, because to me, and I had this whole talk about it, sympathy is like a simulation, right? Instead of tapping into our own authentic life experience and understanding that I don't understand what you're going through, but I do understand the emotions you're moving through. Okay. I felt those before. I've been in your shoes in some way, right? Emotionally in your shoes. Sure. And when we can tap into that, tap into our own humanity, then we can connect with people and say, again, I, I haven't been through what you've gone through. Because even if I was going through the exact same situation that you've gone through right now, I haven't been through the rest of your life. So I can't see the situation you're going through right now the way you see it right? So there's no way for me to fully understand what you're going through. But I can understand the fear you feel. I can understand the sadness or the loneliness. And and I think she just must have seen I was struggling and and knew that at time in her life that she had struggled. And she was just like, hey, let me help you, you know, here, you know, and I think many teachers are just like that. I mean, that's why they go into teaching.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, do you feel that you needed to have this experience and be vulnerable at this time and go along this life path to make, you know, have some humility and be vulnerable just to bring you all where you're at today or. Oh,
1: hell yeah. People ask me all the time. My, my, my life story is traumatic. Um, People ask me all the time. Someone asked me a week or two ago if I would change anything about my life story. And I would not, I would not change a thing, not a thing because do I do I wish it on myself? No.
0: Sure.
1: But I've already been through it, and it's made me stronger, and it's made me better. Do I hope that no one ever has to go through the things I went through? Hell yeah, <laughs> I, I I really I really hope that they think no one ever has to be, go through those things. But but I've already been through them, and I not only survived, but I've made a pretty amazing life for myself, and I. you know, empower other people to do the same thing. So no, I, I, I value my life experience.
2: Yeah. You know, I don't advocate for any life experiences like that, but I mean, I guess my point being is that, you know, sometimes you need those experiences to find out who you are and to actually motivate you and create discipline. A lot of yeah. people.
1: Life is struggle. I yeah. mean, it doesn't matter what your struggle is. Life is struggle. I just don't think that life has to be trauma.
2: that's the uh, the
1: fine line between those things (laughs) life is struggle absolutely life is pain a hundred percent agree with that right but life doesn't have to be trauma and life doesn't have to be traumatizing other people
2: yeah definitely not but yeah just you know i and i always you know when talking with people like you and have these stories and watching movies and reading my books or whatever just like it's like, you know, I love these type of stories of people who had these experiences and they came up and they overcame the odds and it was yeah. oh, you're a badass now. That's so badass. You fought through it and you stuck with it even at the darker yeah. times. And, and you don't, a lot of people, and I you know, again, I'm generally speaking, they find that, that wall they get to and our barrier, whatever you want to say, and then there's, well, this is it, whatever. I, this is all I'm going to be. I'm not going to try to do anything more. This is all I have in my life. And it's like yeah. it doesn't have to be like that. You know, I mean, I, I no. had friends who, you know, had some, I don't want to say trauma. I'm not, I don't want to speak for them, but had some bad experiences in their early childhood. And, you know, and they used to say, well, this is, I got to do it this way because this is what my dad did or this is what mom did. It's like, no, that's not necessarily it, bro. It's like, you know, just because they did it doesn't mean, you're your own person. You know, you don't have to yeah. follow their lead. You can do anything yeah. you want to be. Yeah.
1: yeah. The PTSD is sinister. That's a whole conversation. Mm. PTSD rewires your brain, not your mind. It, re- it rewires your brain and your body. It is exceptionally sinister that way. So for many people, if you don't recognize that you have PTSD, if you, if you don't understand that, if you don't want to understand that, um, then you can't possibly begin to understand the ways in which it affects you physically, and then it affects you mentally. And, and so for many people, they are stuck in a pattern because that's what their brain, literally their brain is telling them to do. It's not a mind thing. It's a brain thing. Um, and so it's hard for people to understand. You know, we we don't want to recognize trauma. We don't want to call it trauma. We don't want to recognize we have PTSD because then, then we have to admit the depth of the suffering, right? And that's, for many for many people, it's just way too painful.
2: I mean, is this kind of why you... You know, you call, call yourself like a life, life design coach because these experiences, you actually sat down one day and was like, now I guess I'm this, you probably said this, but I want my life to be better. I want my life to be like this one day and I want to mm-hmm. you know, overcome all I these." Said,
1: I started figuring that out when I was about 12. Right. Nice. But I just, I didn't want my life to be what it was. And I started using JCPenney catalogs. Who remembers those? I do. Um, I used to circle all the things in there that I wanted to comprise this life I was inventing for myself. And I used to dog ear all the pages so that I could flip through, you know, every day and, and, and remember and remind myself this new life of fantasize about and imagine this new life that was outside of the world I knew and, you know, put up my favorite quotes on index cards and tape them on my bedroom wall. And, you know, it was my version of vision boarding, you know, yeah. I started designing my life because I didn't, I, 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 I'm with all seriousness, I am going to say that if I didn't do that, I would have unalived myself successfully. Like I came very, very close many times. And I think my imagination, you know, that, and someone interrupted once, but is, is how I survived there's, you know, many things that kind of worked together that kept me from succeeding, but I needed to imagine. I had my imagination is really the thing that saved me
0: for so many reasons. So yeah, I
1: think, I think for me, what I've come to recognize is life is, life is a series of choices. And when we recognize the power in those choices, we can start to make the little choices more intentionally. And it's not about doing more. It's about being more intentional about what we do. And it's about learning and understanding and growing and reading and exposing ourselves to different things that might help us on our healing journey.
0: Yeah.
2: I can't agree more. Just that, uh, you know, was, I, I, I developed, you know, this kind of growth mindset, if you want to say, you know, back in right when I graduated college and that, uh, and that was a no, nine and just, you know, all my friends were, and I've said this before on here. So folks, if you heard this before, I'm sorry, but you know, they were all moving along with their lives and I wasn't doing anything. And this is nothing, you know, relatable to, or not even relatable to what you've been through, but I had this loser mindset. I feel like in that, Mm. you know, I was like, I'm not, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't want to go be stuck back at home with my parents' house and Mm. living like that. But I was like, yeah, I I need to learn to actually start making little changes. And now I know it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next week and Mm. whatever, you know, I, I wanted to get out of this whole, Party boy kind of scene thing. And just like, I got to start moving on my life. You know, it's like, oh, I mean, that's what I did in college. You know, I was a complete fuckhead for a lack of a better word. I mean, you know, I blew, like, I was talking to you when we were talking about mentors and stuff. I kind of would not look at it, you know, what I had in front of me right there. You know, these green lights, as Matthew McConaughey would say, you know, I was kind of like, whatever. What are we doing Thursday night? (laughs) Screw this, you know? And And then I, right when graduation happened, everyone started moving away. I was like, oh, shit, you know, I messed up. You yeah. know, and, and I thought, you know, like when I went for a master's degree or trying to get these better jobs and doing all this, like, this is going to help me along the way. And it did. I mean, at first I didn't see it because I was like, God, I don't want more school. I don't want to go to school again. But
1: yeah,
2: and that's what you got to do if you want certain changes in your life. And you, I guess yeah. that's my whole point. You got to start small and like day by yeah. day by day. You eventually, if you keep the mind, if you stay, keep yeah. your nice nose to the groundstone, stay positive, get yeah. there. Like you're saying. You'll get, eventually get there. It might suck. You know, like you for said, a long
1: time it, it yes, might start for a long time. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: And again, just yeah, well, yeah, I just like to reiterate that, just that. You know, yeah. I don't like people being saying, "Ah, this is the way it's going to be. I can't change." It's like, yeah, no, dude, that's not the way. You can't. Yeah. You just don't yeah. want it.
1: Yeah. yeah. No. When I was twelve is when I started designing my life. I was twenty five before I left my parents' house. No. Yeah. You know, when my parents got divorced is when I moved out. Um. So. Yeah, I mean that was 13 years and then the real work started, you know. I couldn't forgive all the things that had been done. I couldn't truly heal them until I was out on my own. So then it, you know, it's taken another <laughs> God, another 12 years on top of that. So, you know, it's it's about the long game, right? It's not yep. about the short game. If we accomplished everything we want to accomplish overnight, we'd have nothing else to live for, right? This is a journey. Life is a journey, it's a process. We just have to let that process unfold as it unfolds, take one step at a time, make one choice at a time more intentionally. It's all builds on top of each other.
2: Do you still sit down and design your life, so to speak? Even like for your future? Yeah. I do. You want to see it? Of course. Everybody, if you want to see all, see what she's doing <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, is That's that my vi- those are my
1: vision boards. Yeah. And there's, there's multiples of them. They're all subcategorized.
2: What do you mean subcategorized?
1: Ah, uh, great question so there's my board that has the list of all the things that i want to do
2: okay right?
1: what's, your top thing?
2: what's your top thing can you share or no you don't have to if you don't want to
1: <laughs> um top thing they're all top things okay
2: well the first one you're looking um,
1: at go to burning man <laughs> <laughs> That's you know I have of. a lot of friends who go to Burning Man and I'm like, I'm gonna flip and go. And I was I was invited to go two years ago and then the world shut down. Damn it. Um, and then there's a whole board dedicated to the house I will build for myself someday. I've already designed the floor plan and everything. Nice. There's um a whole board dedicated to travel. Um and then there's a whole board dedicated to quotes. Um, and like are you familiar with the man in the arena speech?
2: Man in the arena speech.
1: Yeah, Theodore Roosevelt's man in the arena speech. Oh, thanks. So. That's what people call it. Um, so I always keep that up there. It's it starts by saying it's not the critic who counts and not the strong man who stumbles not the strong man who points out how or not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. And then I have underlined my favorite part is, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly.
2: I like that. I just wrote yeah. it down. So I would remember it. Yeah. Not the whole thing, but yes. Yeah, so I'm yeah. Brene
1: Brown um, has that, that whole clip of that speech in the beginning of her book, daring greatly. And um at that point, I mean, on the spot, I didn't, I didn't like blurt it out, but I have most of it memorized. Nice. There's, many times that i just am like okay right now my face is marred with blood and sweat but i'm in the arena you know i'm doing the thing i'm daring greatly
2: are you a reader do you read a lot
1: hell yeah yeah i have a book club i've had a book club for like six years i usually read two to three books a month nice right now i'm reading viola davis's memoirs i'm also reading the book um the scent of desire it's about the psychology of of scent and i just finished reading joe dispenza's becoming supernatural like two days ago
2: i don't know any of those so yeah. i mean these like i was saying earlier like, these last few years i've tried to make myself become a reader and yeah. I'm, I'm an audiobook guy but i try to go get a book a month it's my mm-hmm. goal I, I do okay i think i do pretty well but
1: i mean that's more than most people yeah most people you know we our attention is constantly being demanded, right? This is not a knock against anyone, right? Because for many years I had stopped reading. Um, But it's because so much of our attention is constantly demanded and hours and hours of our time. I mean, literally the way that social media and television and like commercials and all these things, it works off of hypnosis, right? Many people don't recognize that television, social media, it hypnotizes us, right? It basically puts us in a default state and that's how so much time goes by and you don't recognize how much time went by. all of a sudden you look up and an hour has passed or two hours have passed and you've been on social media, right you've been True. Yeah, through. yeah, I agree, I agree. right. So it's hypnosis, right So you know we've we lose so much of our time because so much of our brain power is being stolen, right yeah. So like it's hard to to break away from that and to, and to form new habits and to let go of social media, to let go of all those things, because it is so addicting and to force ourselves to be quiet. You know, I've started plugging in my phone. So here's the one thing about starting your own business. It's great. There's a lot that sucks just to be frank. (laughs) There's a lot that sucks for a really long time. And then it sucks a little bit less, but then new things suck. Um, I don't wake up to an alarm. I wake up when I wake up. And typically it's between 630 and 730 in the morning, but I do not wake up to an alarm and, and I do not usually have any client meetings before 10am because the first two hours of my day are mine. You cannot have them. Sure. So I typically um, plug in my phone outside of my bedroom. So it's not even in the same room as me. And it goes on do not disturb at 9 p.m. And it stays on do not disturb till 7.30 in the morning. If you've got an emergency about a sofa, I do not want to hear about it. so, so like, Wait, does that 100%. happen a hundred percent? I've had clients call me at like 7am on a Saturday. This is why I established this practice about like a sofa.
2: Oh my
0: gosh. And I
1: was like, this is not the time it's, I was like, I thought it was a genuine emergency. No, no. Um. So yeah, no, I, I, Anyway, yeah, I I leave my phone outside of my room, and I and I I've been buying physical books instead of just having Audible, right? So that at least my phone can be out of the room. It does; it's not even with me. So I've I've slowly moved it further and further away from me. I used to keep it plugged in at my on my bedside table. Then I moved it across the room, and then I moved it outside of the room. Mm -hmm. So like just slowly, right? Like forced myself to get a little bit, (laughs) so I didn't get like separation anxiety. Anyway, that's what I did. So, you know, if people can can develop a habit of figuring out how to leave their phone away from them so they're not tempted to touch it because the closer it is to us, the more likely we are to touch it and, you know, get familiar with reading again. It's a very powerful tool in learning and healing.
2: Well, you know, what's I want to know that, so when you started your own business, I know what you just said that, you know, one of the pros about, you know, kind of being your own boss and waking up when you want to, but, you know, Was that the, what was the most stressful thing about starting your business though? Was it just like, Ooh, of it going to work out? It's just going to, all of it.
1: Yeah. Every, you have no idea if it's going to work out. Most businesses fail in the first year of the businesses don't fail in the first year. Most fail in the first three. Like it's first, first year, third year. Those are the two like critical. If you can make it past three years, you're likely to survive, but it's not guaranteed. (laughs) Nothing's guaranteed. And financially it's going to suck for a really long time for, for most entrepreneurs like that. If it doesn't suck at the beginning, it will suck very soon, right? Like it's not meant to be easy. It's not a journey about the business. The thing you learn really, really quickly, if you want to st- have any staying power is that it has nothing to do with your business. It has everything to do with who you are and how yeah. you present yourself to the world and who you are being and your relationship with yourself and your relationship with the world. And you have to get clear on the stories that you've been telling yourself about, you know, throughout your life. And you've got to get clear on the meaning you have assigned to certain things and you've got to understand who you are and and who you, and who what enters the room when you do, right? Like that's a really powerful exercise. It's like, what enters the room when I do? And to really, and then what's even more powerful is to ask complete strangers, ask someone you've known for less than an hour, what entered the room when I did.
2: That's impressive.
1: And and just let them write it down. Don't don't have them say it out loud to you, just have them write it down and fold it up and read it later and start collecting those things, right? Obviously you need that person's permission and don't make it super weird or creepy, but it's a really powerful exercise because then you'll start to see the overlap you'll start to see things in yourself. People will start to see things or point out things that you didn't see in yourself, good and bad. Right? Yeah. And and it's really really it's a really daunting thing, but it's very very good.
2: <laughs> yeah, just speaking of being vulnerable with comments just having somebody doing it. You never know what they're going to write down. I mean, I just see comments on even social media and just how bad that is. And you know, it's just like a great person. Yeah, social what?
1: media is full of trolls.
2: No well, that's true, face. too. But just, <laughs> I mean, that's true. There's like keyboard warriors out there, but.
1: 100%. Half of them are bots.
2: Yeah, well, that's true, too. But yeah, just sounds like a good, you know, I don't want to say an icebreaker, but yeah, just.
1: It's definitely not an icebreaker.
2: Right. But like, <laughs> I just Having to do those icebreakers and yeah. job and stuff. And that it was just like, Oh, you know, go sit at somebody else's different yeah. table or whatever. And like, yeah. you to introduce yourself to them. Like, mm. Shit, what am I going to say? Yeah, but yeah, just, that seems like a powerful tool. Where'd you learn that? Is that a book or something you developed on your own?
1: Um, I had a coach for, a, I hired a coach for like six months at the beginning of my business, right before I took it full time. So I worked with her for three months while I was still had a full time job and three months after um I took the business full time and she decided to do this exercise. She did this like weekend thing, like this two hour thing on a Saturday or something or four hour thing on a Saturday, and there was like five of us, and like an hour in, she was like, "Now we're gonna put a big post-it up on the wall, and I'm gonna ask everyone in the room, you know, to say, you know." what enters the room when this, what entered the room, when this person did, and we went around the room and did it. And I was like, I still have that piece of paper folded up. Like I keep it pretty close because every once in a while I like need to remind myself like, Hey, this is how people, this is what enters the room, or at least this is what entered the room when you did four years ago. Right. And I can kind of look and see like, where have I grown, where I've expanded. It's just, it's really interesting and really powerful.
2: Yeah, just, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, if I were to do that, just I wonder what people would write down. And it's cool. Like, it's, and it's like you open yourself up to a lot. And, but I do like it. Like, I always yeah. like be. I don't want to say I like being critiqued, but I, you know, I think people need to be critiqued just because I'm, I'm not used to People
1: aren't used to being critiqued. There we
2: go. Critique. That's probably not a good word to say, especially,
1: especially. I hate to say this, I'm sorry, but especially men, they're not used to or comfortable with being
2: critiqued.
1: Oh, I, yeah, I would say getting familiar and comfortable with being critiqued is a really important skill.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's how I learned, though, is just that you know, you can't always think that everything is gummy bears and rainbows at all times, but you know, if you know if something's wrong or whatever, yeah, all right, I need to know this, and rather than just going yeah. through life like it's okay, and this is what's going to cause a problem down the road instead of you know, let's address it now, or if I'm doing something wrong, we can address yes. it now. And that way I can change, you know, just like you yes, say. Brooke exactly. Montset, exactly.
1: You know, I, I I, say, you know, I say that because, I, you know, there's a lot that goes into gender politics. And I think, you know, I think the fact that many men weren't raised to be comfortable with being critiqued, sure, it strips them of some of their humanity and their ability to be vulnerable. And it, and it leaves men in a very, like, it's why so many men get defensive when they are critiqued. get angry right because it's something they weren't raised to be familiar with um so it's not a knock against men as much as it is like a a wake-up call to us as a society to like we need to raise children equally (laughs) (laughs) and prepare and and allow people to be their full human selves
2: it's very you know i guess egocentric in that you know, going back to, you know, these life experiences and stuff that, you know, you have to have these humbling experiences, you know, like, you know, for me, like, you know, losing my CrossFit competition, you know, my girl mm-hmm. breaking up with me, you know, that's you know, the missing the shot of the game, you know, whatever. I mean, but you, I feel like you need to have those and learn to lose. And that's what, Yeah. you know. I.
1: We learn from failure way more than yeah, we learn from success.
2: That you have this alpha mentality that everything's yeah. great and all you know, you can just keep going along with that because it's not always great. And that you need these experiences that uh, bring you down a notch, you know I mean? 100%. Yeah. And that's, and that's one thing that I've had, you know, and, you know, everyone hates to lose. I mean, everyone hates going through breakups. Everyone <laughs> hates it. <laughs> no
1: one loves it. No one's like, yes, I exactly. failed.
2: You know, I, me- I wish
1: we, I hope we get to that place. We're like, yes, fuck yes. I definitely, can I-, I just said the F word. Is that okay?
2: Yeah, I've been saying <laughs> it all the time. Oh, <laughs> I'm yes.
1: like, I curse a lot, but I, I try not to on a podcast. Um No one's like screaming hell. Yeah. Like I failed, but really we learn way more from it. And that's the place that I think, you know, we need to get to as a society. doesn't matter your gender, like where we understand that we're learning from failure. It's, it's a moment to be like, oh, oh, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now let's find what does work.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone likes having their ego stroked and, you know, like you said, you know, you got to find out what works and just, you know, it doesn't mean that just because it didn't work, we need to have these, huge fights and long arguments and just, you know, and everyone likes to be right. I get that. You know, I like being right, but I'm not always right. And that's one thing, you know, I've learned on this journey is that, you know, you got to have an open mind. You can't be married to your ideas. If we,
1: if we eliminate the language about being right or wrong, and we simply just open ourselves up to learning, it's not about winning or losing. It's not about right or wrong. It's simply about, about being our authentic selves and learning. You know, it stops being about dichotomies and it starts being about embracing the gray area between them
2: are are humans or we whatever you will say are we losing that touch of being ourselves and being authentic with you know media and social media and, yeah you know i mean just you know what's real and what's not real i mean you know with filters and you know with, yeah. you guys are getting into plastic surgery now and that i was it's seeing, horrifying yeah and it's just like are we losing touch with our reality
1: we, uh, well yeah we lost touch with it a long time ago p.s i keep staring at your dog's like they're so cute. <laughs> I just keep staring at them and they're like, Oh, she's talking about us? Okay. Yeah.
2: But at least they're being good. Usually they get on yeah. here and start barking. It's literally every time I sleep. so at least they're laying there. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh but yeah, uh, we are. And I don't know where this is gonna go in ten years from now, twenty years mm-hmm. from now, what the world's gonna look like. But I hope better. I hope better too. But I, I don't I I hope hope better. better Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be better, yeah, obviously a good thing, but Seems like the path that we're on now—it's not leading to anything great. I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong. And I I don't really—I think
1: in many ways, a lot of our systems are are being challenged, and I think it's a moment to rethink for many of us to rethink. And Adam Grant just came out with a book called "Rethink." Adam Grant, and I just finished reading it last month. It was our book club book last month. Nice. Um, it's a moment to rethink many of our assumptions, our understanding of the world to lean in, to get vulnerable and to start listening, you know, to one another, to, to stop presuming that we understand someone else's lived experience and just listen Yeah, and know that they get to experience their life as they've experienced it. And we don't get an opinion on that. Yeah. We can just listen and learn.
2: Exactly. You know, you know, everybody, you know, everyone goes through something different as we've been saying, and just that, you know, and I, and I always hate that, you know, let's say that, you know, if I'm in one of my CrossFit workouts or whatever, and, somebody will be like oh i can't do that cuz i'm not you and it's like well that's not you know you can do that if you want to dude i mean i'm it's nothing just, gonna i'm not Take anything. time it's yeah. just going to take
1: time you, you know, can't do it, do, do it right now but <laughs> you can do it i've been yeah. doing this 8 or 9
2: years i put the time yeah. in you know i put yeah. you know i've been grinding and, you know and i'm trying to uh, put myself up on a pedestal or anything but you know a lot of, there's a lot of nights, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, I was sitting at home instead of going out to bars or whatever, just cause I was like, well, I'm waking up in the morning. I'm going to work out, you know, and I, and I eat like a boring person, you know, and that's what I, that's what I say. Oh,
1: I, I don't, I stopped eating land and sea animals like six months ago. Cool. And then I stopped eating sugar three weeks well, ago. That's great. Woo, that was a hard one. I gave up land and sea animals. And I was like, this isn't that hard. No big deal because I have such a diverse diet it didn't bother me whatsoever and i wasn't like losing out on any protein because i just knew how to supplement it right mm. but dear god and i don't eat soy either but dear god giving up sugar i thought it was I thought it was tough. gonna die i thought I was gonna die Like there was sometimes i was like if i just would i would give my left arm for like a bar of chocolate right now like yeah. i would just i you know
2: yeah, they get you hooked. And you're not, I mean, I'm the same way, you know, some nights when I go see a movie or whatever. Yeah. I still get, you know, like gummy bears or lifesaver gummies. There's my usually go-tos, but yeah, there's, even after I start eating them, I just want more, you know, I just, I can't right. stop. Well,
1: that's the whole sinister nature. I, sugar. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yes. That's why I don't eat it anymore. Not like I'll never eat it again, but I just, it's like a once a month thing.
2: <laughs> why did you decide to stop eating land and sea animals? I mean, was that just something you wanted to do or something? Um, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to, it's dietary or...
1: Well, like, so I have I have osteoarthritis. I'm 37 and have arthritis in both my knees and my left ankle and my thumb, the one that I cut with the table saw. Um, so it it just in doing research and understanding what causes inflammation in our bodies, meat is a big part of that, and and so I cut it out to see if it would help. I I don't. I don't want to have knee replacement surgery at 37. I I want to see if I can heal my body naturally. Um, And so I gave that up. It's not, and I didn't give up sea animals specifically because they cause inflammation. It was more just like, I don't really like them that much to begin with. Um, I do eat and I will eat them every once in a while, but um, it's like a three times a year sort of thing rather than like a regular thing. Um, Cause I happen to really love like, beans and nuts and seeds and those sort of things and I get plenty of protein and I'll still eat eggs. Um but yeah it was a it's a it was a decision and sugar actually causes a significant amount of inflammation as well. So that was the next thing to go. But I wasn't going to give up sugar and land animals at the same time. That felt like way too much, right? Like it was just way too much. And my thing is I'm just giving it up I'm giving up land and sea animals completely for a year. And then and then then it you know I might eat poultry you know once in a while sure. like a couple times you know maybe once a month or something after that but primarily eat vegan or vegetarian so like my goal is like eat vegan or vegetarian at home and then if every once in a while if I want to throw chicken on a salad in the future then I will but I'm going a whole year without it it's also so for like planetary reasons so like, have
2: you noticed any changes though I mean has it gotten better oh yeah before? I'm not
1: I don't wake up with swollen knees every day anymore. Ooh, God. <laughs> like having to like wrap your knees in ice every single day, just from walking. (sighs) Yeah. I used to run four miles a day, five times a week. I went from running four miles a day, five times a week and doing two other like pretty badass workouts to being lame. I couldn't walk without significant pain and swelling. I could, I couldn't get my like legs in my pants anymore because my knees were so swollen. I went from that, you know not being able to basically not be able to walk for three months you know to being like this can't this can't and it was during the pandemic so like it wasn't
2: it wasn't
1: like life threatening so i just had to kind of like suck it up and deal with it it took me a year to get an appointment to get an mri
2: well at least you kind of you know you challenge yourself to find an experiment to say like hey what's causing this let me do some research instead of just yeah. saying i'll just i guess this is how it is
1: Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And also like when you're used to running, your body's like, hello, what's going on here? Like my my body got seriously depressed. It was, it was a tough, it was a tough time. Yeah. 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 But yeah. So now I'm walking and not eating sugar and
2: that's good. No, I mean, I'm a I'm a meat eater and I'm currently reading, you know, it's called the sacred cow by Rob, Rob, Rob Wolf. And he's currently going through like all the different things, you know, does it cause heart disease, cancer? And, you know, I'm so, I'm so pretty far into it, but I, I made a note that I want to look up the inflammation part of it to see what I can find out. So, yeah, I never, I never heard of that meat causing inflammation.
1: I mean, as far as the WHO, the world health organization, red meat is a level one carcinogen, the same as consuming plutonium. Just, just so you know. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Write yeah. that down
1: too.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It
1: okay. Not good for you. <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't ever eat it. It's just not good for you. And unfortunately, if you follow the money, you always find out why it's a recommended thing. Uh, um... By Like the Cancer Association, by... the american diabetic association all these things when you look at who sponsors them then you understand why those diets are recommended the way they're recommended i'm just saying always follow the money
2: (laughs) well that's almost literally everything though too
1: everything yeah
2: Yeah, yeah. always with money anyway no we don't have to make this whole nutrition but yeah i'm I'm, I'm gonna write that down and see what i can find out just because i'm always interested in stuff like that and i know how my body performs and what I eat is I mean it-
1: Tom Brady is one of the top performing athletes in the world and is vegan who's primarily vegan and vegetarian Tom Brady I know, right? I was, so, I like, so like so like yeah, I'm not saying you have to be his fan, but I'm just saying the dude played badass football into what age
2: yeah,
1: right and he doesn't eat land he doesn't eat land animals, so I'm just saying if Tom Brady can do it,
2: well, he also doesn't get hit a lot too, so that probably helps.
1: I don't know that anybody should get hit as much as they well, get hit. That's a whole nother
2: comment. Yeah, that's definitely a whole nother conversation. Well, <laughs> anyway. All right. I want to be respectful of your time before we start yeah. getting too crazy on here right. and all that. Um, if you want to plug all your stuff. Sure. Our-
1: I'll just make it simple and easy. Okay. If you want to find me, um, head to my website. There's a tab dedicated specifically to me as a speaker and a writer. But the website as a whole is a reflection of who I am and how I'm building the company and, and how we work together as a culture. Um, it's, uh, my business name is Consonate C-O-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-E dot world. So just go to world, and you will be able to find all of my contact information, including my email. And, um, you can reach out if you have any questions or want to connect. And then all of our social media links are at the link tree on the website.
2: Consonate. Is that kind of just a range maybe or like come together?
1: Consony isn't defunct word. Um, It like it's, it is a real word, but it's not one that people use anymore. It means to arrange or blend together skillfully as parts or elements put together in a harmonious, precisely appropriate or elegant manner. I like that. Yeah. It's badass.
2: Yeah. It's definitely badass. I kept playing co. It's like, I wonder if it's like to bring together.
1: Yeah. It's a real word. It sounds familiar, but it's not.
2: Yeah. It's the key to
1: a great name
2: set yourself <laughs> apart too i mean yeah so yeah so yeah cool.
1: yep so yeah head to world, and you'll be able to find me there
2: well thank you so much for doing this, this was great i wrote down a few pearls and gems for myself yeah a great thanks time.
1: chris it was great talking with you
2: okay everybody uh anything else you want to say before we get there no. okay cool all right everybody we're gone uh be good to yourselves and all that good stuff